Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Like I said, we have Jason Randall from Forward Faith Church. And, uh, and I've got to tell you, you guys all know this. I've said this when I first introduced Jason to uh, community. Uh, that uh, the first time I met him, man, just kindred spirit, kindred heart. I love my brother. I love his passion uh, for uh, Toronto and, uh, and just his desire to serve Jesus in this way. And of course, his wife, Delaby, and their son. And uh, so Jason, we're so glad to have you. Probably a good place to start is to actually ask Jason how it's been going to plant a church uh, during a pandemic. So Jason, how is it going uh, so far, and then we'll get into obviously the main part of our conversation today. Well, you know what? Uh, thank you so much, Craig, for that nice uh, introduction. And uh, yeah, it's there's definitely uh, it's been uh, challenging, but uh, it's it's definitely been exciting. Uh, my team, we've uh, tried new strategies, and ever since it happened, I've known that all other churches and other church leaders have gone through this whole transition. That So now we've been focusing more on digital and also more on community, even though we're still practicing our social distancing. So it's, uh, it's definitely working out. Uh, we've uh, we started a singles group that seems like it's going very well. And so uh, we're, we're, we're making it happen. And uh, I learned a long time ago uh, in life and ministry, there's always surprises, there's always shifts, there's always changes. So I've learned how to just kind of roll with everything that goes on. And, and uh, just it's just something that just keeps you prayed up. Uh, but uh, we're, we're, we're still moving. And uh, once things kind of uh, slow down a little bit. We still uh, plan on getting up everything uh, set up and up and running later on this year. So we're we're definitely excited. I can't wait to open the doors whenever uh, the right moment hits. Yeah, man, and we're excited for you too. And uh, and as many of you know, like I said, Jason's been planting a church in Toronto, but he's actually from uh, the U.S. and he's originally from Pittsburgh. And, uh, and so Jason, you know, obviously in light of what's going on in the States right now, um, you know, how's your family doing? Uh, you know, what are your general thoughts before I get into uh, just some of why we're having this conversation today? But what are your, just your general thoughts right off the bat? Well, just thinking about my family, uh, it's, it's definitely good to hear everybody's going well, even with COVID-19. Uh, things are looking and seems like things are still still progressing everyone's healthy uh those who are working they're still working um so family family's doing good my family's doing well family in the states is doing well which is awesome uh and even um just going to just my thoughts about the states right now it's it's very interesting because i think about it like being an open wound and for such a long time, it's, it's been exposed. It hasn't been addressed. And uh, I'm kind of excited just the fact that we're starting to see uh, uh, protests and many people who are fighting for social injustice. So this part is kind of exciting. Obviously, the sad part about it is seeing, you know, certain people who are dying, uh, possibly even um, being murdered. Um, that's always a sad thing for Christians for us to see people to to get killed in any circumstance. But other than that, uh, I just talking with people, seeing images and hearing what's going on in many other cities, it seems like that there is a stir for uh, possible change, which is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think obviously uh, last week when, or I guess it'd be more than last week, it's been a little longer than that uh, with the, the uh, incomprehensible and despicable treatment. Yes. Uh, and that led to the death of, you know, George Floyd in Minneapolis. Of course, what happened to Armad Arbery, uh, you know, just before that, I, you know, I, I did, I watched the video. I wish in some ways I didn't because it just, it broke my heart. But, you know, as I watched it, it, it just really bothered me. And, you know, I guess one of the things that, that bothered me is the fact that, you know, it just, the treatment was just, it was despicable. And, and I sat back and I was like, I want to do something, but, you know, what do I do? And anybody that knows me knows that I'm a bit of a processor. So I don't like to just like jump on things or say things. I like to just kind of process. And so I began to process and I didn't feel like this past Sunday, you know, uh, preaching a message on it, because to be quite honest with you, I really didn't feel ready because I was still uh, processing my thoughts. I knew how I felt, but, you know, what do you do? And, and I didn't even feel like a message would, you know, uh, be enough, to be honest. And I didn't feel like uh, it was my place to really speak to it. But I also felt like I can be a conduit. I can use the platform that I have to be a part of the solution because silence is not an option. And you know right. that. And I know that. And, and so I began the process and I just, I felt like the place to start was to listen. That was what God laid on my heart. Just listen. And in fact, I intentionally entitled this conversation that we're having today, um, the promo that went out earlier this week, you know, uh, is to lean in and listen. And the reason why I said that was because you and I both know that when you're talking to somebody and, and everybody else watching this right now knows what I'm talking about too, that when somebody leans in to a conversation like I'm doing right now, that, that subtle physical shift in your body language communicates something very powerful to the person that's, listen, that, that's talking. What it says to them is, I'm trying to hear you. I want to hear you. I'm interested in what you are saying. I'm not just listening, but I want to grasp what you're talking about. And I really feel like, you know, when, when someone does that, it, it really gives a sense of confidence to the person that's communicating that they know that they're being heard. And, and I think we need to have a subtle shift that can have, I know that can have a powerful impact on this conversation that we would actually lean in as the church and listen. Why? Because when you're having that conversation and you're really capturing, you know, that's where the Holy Spirit, I think, works and begins to speak to us about, you know, how we can be a part of, like I said, the solution. Um, and I get it. Like this conversation is not an easy one. Uh, I was telling Jason, you know, earlier in the week when we were mapping this out, that, that it's, it's, uh, it's a tough conversation to have, you know, because you don't want to say anything, uh, especially on my part, you know, being white, I don't want to say anything that's going to come across the wrong way or unintentional um, or not so perfectly. And, and because I really want to capture, you know, what's being said, and then I want to process it and go, well, what can I do to be a part of, you know, um, dealing with something that has gone on way too long and, and so it's, it's got to start with, you know, what a lot of people are saying on social media. It starts with uh, the conversation. And Jason, you know, I want to say this because I'm going to read a quote here from uh, a, a goaltender in the National Hockey League. And Jason and I were kind of laughing about this, right? Um, and he's from Pittsburgh, so I know he knows hockey, man. Like Sidney Crosby. That's right, guys. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so, and of course, you know, Canadian boy, here we go. 
Um, right. and, uh, and, and so I want to, you know, read a, a quote from Braden Holtby, a uh, goaltender from the Washington Capitals, because he said something that um, really resonated with me and I wanted to use it as a platform. But before I share, you know, one of the things that Jason and I have been talking about this week is to set the tone for this conversation. I think it's important for us to make this clear that, that it's not that, you know, all white people are racist because we know that they're not, but there are some that are. And there are, it's not that all police officers or the police force is, you know, violent or aggressive, but there are some that are. And it's not that all people that protest are wanting violence or looting, but yes, there are some that will do that. But there are some that are, you know, peaceful and they're protesting because they want their voice to be heard because they want to see change. And just like there are some white people like myself that wants to make sure that my brother that he knows that he's loved and valued. And I see him as an equal follower of Jesus, a human being. And so Jason, do you want to comment on that? Cause I know we've talked about it. Um, and then we talked about the roots of Azusa street. Do you want to jump in there with that? Or do you want to carry, pick up that a little bit later on? Well, you know what? Um, I, I could just go into Azusa street right now. I think, I think that's a good landing point. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just thinking about Azusa, Azusa Street was an amazing point uh, in history because, for example, one of the reasons why me and you, Craig, are sitting here right now is because of the Azusa Street experience. And the whole experience happened because there were a group of people from other races. You had Black, you had White, you had, you had Latinos in, in the United States in the Los Angeles area that wanted a deeper walk with God, who wanted to experience with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. And so what happened was mainly the whole experience started in 1906 by a blind Black preacher named William Seymour. And he was being taught by Charles Parham. And so Parham left and left off for a little bit. And that's kind of good because of his, his thinking that I might talk about later on. But anyway, what happened was that uh, all of a sudden people started to get filled with the Holy Spirit and the revival went on for years. And now we have Pentecostal churches all over the world just because people were able to put everything aside and worship together. And so that's why it's so important that the church is able to come together and that the church is the example of love and, and community and also uh, that is able to allow things to happen. I honestly truly believe uh, many people refer back to Martin Luther King when it came to civil rights because he was the one who was able to start the nonviolent movement, you know, and, and push uh, social injustice and also to bring people together. And so it was him spearheading the whole movement in the states for civil rights that has allowed many people to have civil uh, rights all over the world. Yeah, you're right. And we've talked a little bit about that. And uh, we'll probably get into a little bit more of Dr. King's influence, right. influence, like major impact. I mean, um, anyways, great admiration and respect for Dr. King. Um, so then to my point, today is about us leaning in and listening. And I love what Braden Holpe said. This is just a portion, a snippet of what he actually said in his statement, but it resonated deeply because I feel this way. And I want you to know that I want all of my uh, extended family in the Lord, my community, my friends to know, uh, uh, you know, people that are, are, and it's not, and we've talked about this, not just the black community, it's all races that you would know that you're loved and valued. And I love what Braden Holpe said 
Uh, I couldn't say it any better. He says this, as a person who definitely falls into the white privilege category, I know I will never truly know what it is like to walk in a black man's shoes. But I know that I have arms, I have ears, I have a voice to walk beside and to listen to every word of anguish and give my strength to every black man, woman, or child. I love this part. Until their shoes weigh the same as mine. And so Jason, as a church, I invite my congregation, my church family to now sit back and actually not sit back, lean in and listen to a brother in the Lord, share his heart about racism, how it's impacted him, how it's impacted his community and what we as as followers of Jesus, as human beings need to understand so that your shoes weigh the same as mine. And so my friends, I leave it to you, which the first question we talked about was, what do we need to know about racism? Well, you know what, uh, Pastor Craig, I think uh, sometimes just starting from, from the very beginning. And uh, what I mean by that is like, what is racism? And so basically the, the, the definition for it is prejudice, discrimination, antagonism directed against anyone of a different race based on their belief that one's race is superior. So typically when we think about racism, racism is dealing with a majority who has, who has uh, uh, economic backing and, and it typically has um, uh, political backing and is a place that, uh, that they actually are over uh, a country or a nation. So uh, for example, obviously here in Canada, that's how uh, obviously the white society would be more so over. Now, if you're in a place like Ethiopia that is uh, mostly black, then a black person could be racist in Ethiopia, for example. So, so that that's pretty much what what it's about. And uh, and one thing is that I think even right now with the news, everybody is seeing what's going on in the United States and from the United States. And uh, so I think some people in Canada will say, oh, well, you know, well, okay, racism really doesn't exist in Canada, or that might be their perception, but it actually does. And so I just wanted to go over some stats, and then uh, I want to go over some ways for us as the church to kind of combat it and kind of come together in unity. So here we go. So uh, for example, a Black person in Ontario is 20 times more likely to be killed by, uh, by the, the police. Okay, uh, First Nation in Manitoba is six to seven times more likely to be incarcerated by whites. Uh, also, third generation blacks in Canada average, uh, they make about 37,000 a year to oppose to whites who make about 48,000 a year. All right, and just one more stat, uh, black unemployment is about 12.5% and for whites it's about 7.5%. Uh, okay, so basically from my learning and understanding about uh, racism here in Canada is that typically it's geared towards uh, Blacks and First Nations. Those are the, the majority of when we're discussing about racism here in Canada. And obviously there's a big term that's been going around. A lot of people have been talking about it recently and that is systematic racism. So what is systematic racism? So basically systematic racism is that there are actually systems that hold back minorities. And um, 
there's actually a very nice, uh, it's about a four minute video on YouTube. I wish I, I wish I could share it, but it just kind of breaks down everything. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of explain it right now. So basically here in Canada, that's dealing with schools, education, jobs, and housing. And so what all this means is that, for example, let's say that a person grows up in a certain school, a low uh, economic school from their neighborhood. And what happens is they might have they might not have the best teachers or their teachers might not be willing to push them to exceed and to excel so okay if that student if they go and they graduate now they uh maybe they they have enough money to uh go to university they may or might not be able to have scholarship but let's say they go so okay now they they get through but they might struggle, they might have to have some loans because maybe their family does not have that financial backing to make sure that they're able to go through school to not have to pay student loan or these type of debts once they're done. All right, so let's say they, they graduate. So after they graduate now, possibly because of their name being too ethnic, some of the headhunters or the people who are in the position to hire them might not hire them because of their name because their name might not be of, of the majority. So, okay, so let's say, all right, eventually this person gets a job, they're working, which is good, which is fine. But then also with housing, housing can be a challenge as well. So there's all these systems that can possibly hold down certain minorities. Now, one thing that's important about systematic racism is that there's so many areas that, that you necessarily can't point at one person or one organization. So it's important that everybody's aware of systematic racism and that everybody is working to improve it and to make it better. And one of our jobs as the church is to help and assist in these areas so that, uh, that if we see people are being marginalized or else if we're experiencing people who, I don't know, maybe maybe someone might be a teacher on this call and maybe that is your job. Maybe that is your, your position to help students learn and actually understand what mathematics or maybe what English is. So everyone has different roles and everybody can have, uh, have different parts to kind of make sure that we're able to combat racism. Yeah. And I think that's what we were talking about the last few days, you know, just about how everyone has a role. We have a part that we can play to be a part of uh, the solution to bring about reconciliation and, uh, and, right. and again, you know, like whether it's discrimination, racism, uh, the marginalized, you mentioned that too, right? Like it's, it's all a part of it. Um, you know, one of the things that came up in our conversation had to do with fear and, and how, you know, uh, you know, fear, cause fear plays a big part in it, right? Like, you know, again, even when you're having a conversation like this today and it's going out on social media it's going to be up right. on youtube and of course you know it's you're not afraid to have the conversation again like i said to you it's you just want to make sure you do the right thing um and and really reflect really be able to convey your heart you know properly but but fear plays a big part in in racism at least in our conversation that's what came up do you want to expound on that a little bit yeah and i think i think one of the issues uh, one reason why people fear, uh, there's a quote from a couple of people that says that, uh, that fear, people fear what they don't understand. Uh, in many ways, people fear something that they don't have experience with, that they don't associate with, or they don't know. If you're walking down the street and if someone uh, gets close to you, you don't know that person. So maybe there might 
sphere might resonate on you or might be it might be the first thing that, that comes and jumps in your mind and so uh, i think a lot of that comes from different types of stereotypes that we might have from various races and and so it's important that in our everyday walk as a christian that we are able to not necessarily live by our negative emotions but for us to operate by by the Holy Spirit and most of all from God's word. And even the example that I can give to the days in 1 John 4 and 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. If we're afraid, it is for, it is for fear of punishment. And it shows us that we're not fully experiencing perfect love. And some of those versions I've read that our love is perfected. And so when people are confronted in certain areas and I think the issue is that when we talk about racism and fear, is the fact that people are faced with someone and they say, okay, all right, maybe this person is bigger than me, there's fear, or maybe this person might take my job, there's fear, or, you know, maybe, you know, this people, they might uh, terrorize my country, there's fear, or, you know, uh, there's so many areas where there can be fear and we know and we understand that, that that is a negative emotion. And so uh, it's important that that's something as Christians that we're able to manage that. Uh, and even me personally, I've had some experiences where people have called the police on me out of fear, but I was the nice guy, I was working. So, and it's important for us to see and realize that, okay, you know, everyone has their place in society. And so we have to watch ourselves and be careful that we're not prejudging somebody. And if we never really know who they are, and there's even been times in my life that, okay, I'm by somebody and I can tell maybe they feel uncomfortable. I'm like, Hey, hi, how are you? And then we start talking and I can tell that the level of fear starts to go down because now there's the dialogue that goes there. And even for example, you know, Pastor Craig, I mean, you, we, we kind of talked about this before, for example, with a, uh, we're just wearing a hoodie, you know, um, I like hoodies, hoodies, especially on a windy day. It's, it's, it, it's the GTA, the uh, area, Their hoodie weather lasts for a very long time. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, you know, having a hoodie on in certain times of the year is normal, but you might be able to wear a hoodie and people will look at you one way and if i wear a hoodie people might look at me in, in a complete different way and so it's important that we're able to notice these certain things and that we're able to walk in love instead of fear and so love we understand as a christian is that action to say you know spark up a conversation with somebody hi how are you i mean you there's so many walls that can drop down when we're able to discuss things to our brothers or our sisters, even people that we don't know. I mean, maybe maybe there's a new neighbor who uh, just moved next to you and, you know, they, uh, you know, uh, they're a visible minority and, you know, you know they are. And now you have an opportunity to find out who they are. So um, one thing that I did write down on my notes, which is very true, is uh, the fact that uh, the Bible tells us that when fear comes on, the word that we should cast it out. You know, that we should allow God's spirit and God's thoughts to take over so that we're not able to prejudge people and get them put in tough and, and bad situations. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting you say that because I was reading up on some like just some articles, different things. And one of the articles I came across was a study that came out of uh, Berkeley. And okay. uh, and so uh, I'm not sure how long ago this was, but 
something that uh, grabbed me in that conversation, I believe it was from Berkeley anyways, but, but something that grabbed me was some of the statements that, um, that are made daily for some. And you talk about fear because it, right. fear goes both ways, right? You, and right. you just mentioned the hoodie thing, right? Like wearing yeah. a hoodie, I can wear a hoodie and people not necessarily see it a certain way. But if you wear a hoodie, you know, it could uh, invoke some sense of fear for some people. Uh, not all people, but for some people, right. absolutely, right. you know, like, so for example, like, and I read this and, it, and it, it grabbed my heart because I'm like, as a follower of Jesus, I would never want anybody to feel this way, no matter who right. they are, right? Yeah. So, you know, things like this, um, within the black community, it, it is not uncommon to hear or think statements like, I think when I go out every day, some situation is going to happen as far as my racism. Right. Or, you know, I think about race all of the time, everywhere I go all of the time. I feel depressed. There's another statement that came up in that study for Berkeley uh, that was a common statement. Um, I feel depressed at times when dealing with that stuff, meaning racism, on a daily basis. Um, the last one that really grabbed me was just what you said about the hoodie. Um, it starts to wear on you where you get depressed and you start thinking bad thoughts and wondering if you're really a valued part of society because people you know, have this, some people, I'm going to say that very, very clear. Right. Some people have that perception. And I think that's really important. Some people, um, you know, so yeah. So, but part of that journey of, cause that bothers me. I don't want anybody. Right. And like I've shared with Jason, I grew up in a multicultural church and I can't tell you how blessed I honestly think I am to have done so. And I'm so grateful that my parents were a part of a church where there were so many other cultures and nationalities that were represented there. Uh, and, and all of my friends and the connection and the laughs and, and just appreciating and valuing everybody's culture. And I said to Jason this week, and I've said this to my wife so many times that um, for me, for my kids, I wish they had the blessing that I had. But in our conversation, you just said that that's part of the journey. That's one way that can help us. Because I know, it, like I said, it bothers me that anybody, especially the black community, would feel that they can't go out without potentially encountering some kind of racism. I would never want anybody to feel that way. And in my headspace, I don't even think that way. But I think part of it is because, you know, as far as, you know, when I see somebody else of, of a different race, I don't think that way. Um, I think part of it is because I grew up in a multicultural church. And so one of the things you talked about was exposing our children or ourselves to different cultures and that being a catalyst to helping us get beyond things like fear and how we treat people and maybe even discovering some of our own prejudices and dealing with them that are deep rooted that we don't even realize are there. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, in and when I think about exposure is uh, when we're able to be exposed, it gives us a chance to operate in love. And also it gives us an opportunity to meet other people. Uh, I think uh, in one of our conversations, I was saying how I've been blessed to have a lot of deep conversations with almost every different type of nationality, you know, whether they be uh, uh, Arab or, you know, Asian, white, um, Asian, white, Latino, et cetera, Indian. And, and just having those conversations, you see every people are just people. 
you see everybody's just saying people are concerned about their family, they're concerned about their finances, they're concerned about their peace and their well-being. Everybody's the same, but one of the blessings is the from our cultures is is our culture. Uh, I'm an African American African American man. I love Italian food. I like uh, I like sushi. Um, I like um, uh, being from Pittsburgh. There's a large Polish community, so I I like Polish sausage and pierogies, and and I like you know obviously soul food from America, jerk chicken, and and so Indian food. So basically, the point I'm trying to say is that God has allowed all these cultures to be on the earth for certain reasons. Um, have added in into humanity in so many different ways. And so it's important for us to experience different cultures, different people. And also uh, it gives us an opportunity to, to really be a part of something. So I think sometimes we have to be intentional. Now, obviously uh, I know everyone lives in different places, some neighborhoods and some communities, there might not be any minorities or it might be just one, one, um, one group of people and that's understandable it might just be one race but when there's other races I, I encourage us to to be intentional about reaching out to other people hey, you know go out to dinner go out for coffee uh go go just like what you're saying expose your kids to someone else have them you know have, let your kids play enjoy i mean and this is the beauty about it. and even about us being here in in the gta that the fact that there are so many nations and so many cultures that we can kind of expose ourselves because if we're around other people it's hard to be prejudiced if you know a certain culture it's hard to be prejudiced so i might be from the black culture and my wife is latino and i've learned so much more about her culture by being married and you know i understand food i understand language and so all of this is from exposure and that's why it's so important for us one way for us to combat is for us to have friends from other races and to be intentional about it and um and it's really important it is key so on that note you know talking about what's key i mean mm -hmm. because i agree with you like exposure is huge and uh and so, you know, like you, as you can tell, I enjoy food. So that's not an issue for me. <laughs> uh, I'm not so much on the sushi, sh uh, sushi side of things, but gotcha. um, I know, and everyone keeps telling me I'm wrong, but anyway, <laughs> I get it. Um, but like you, like enjoy so many other um, kinds of food and, and the culture, it's so rich and it's fun. Like it's, it's, it's just amazing. Uh, and when you live in the GTA, you have, you have that opportunity. You have right. the opportunity to really experience, um, you know, other cultures, food-wise, uh, entertainment-wise, whatever. So you're right. But what can we as a church, talking about key, yeah. what can we as a church do? Like, what do we need to do to help out and to move towards reconciliation, healing, uh, part of the solution. Do you want to comment on that? And then we'll, uh, and then we'll take some time to pray in a few minutes here. Cause we talked mm -hmm. about doing that, but, yeah. um, yeah, talk about that, the church and our role. Yeah, sure. So I just want to, uh, go over scripture. Isaiah one and 17 says, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of the orphans. So we see right here that it's telling us to, to do good, seek justice and help out the oppressed. People who are faced with racism are being oppressed. They're, they're being held down from their, their full potential. And so it's important for the church that the church is able to show love, 
uh, that, and by being able to show love, meaning that we're able, first of all, to see that there is an issue and that there is a problem. Uh, I think one of the one of the biggest issues is that, and even how we start out our conversation, that the people have kind of glanced over this and said, okay, this is not an issue, this is not a, a problem. And one reason why I'm so happy is the fact that now all over the world, people are addressing this and saying, okay, we've overlooked this for so many years. And just like any other sin, like you can't, sin, sin doesn't go away, you, you can't overlook it. And so if anything is gonna happen, it needs to happen first in, in the household of God. And so the church needs to, we, we have to be intentional with our leadership, we have to be intentional with uh, bridging the gaps uh, to to other minorities and other other groups of people and other communities. Uh, we also should be intentional of worshiping together. Uh, every uh, one thing that I've learned is that different cultures sometimes have different worship styles, and one worship style might be completely different, but. God is still pleased. If people are worshiping, you know, God for all that he's done and giving him praise, God is pleased with that. And even donating, donating to the cause. And uh, probably by Sunday, I would love to have up some organizations that people could actually donate to, to actually help support. And that we're able to make some change because at the end of the day, we're all Christians. And on this conversation, we are trying to fulfill the, the Great Commission, and people want to see love in action. And when we're able to help out our communities, when we're able to help out different nationalities, when we're able to combat racism, we're doing these things. And even multicultural churches, uh, this is one reason why it's been such a big thing on my heart to plant a multicultural church in the city, is because this is a multi cultural community and when people they have exposure they able to operate in love and fear breaks down now we're able to send out healthy christians out in the community who are able to impact so many others uh even early in in the conversation i was talking about possibly tutoring uh getting out mentoring i mean these are areas and ways for us as the church to kind of combat this thing and the most important thing is to uh, is to call it out for what it is you know, that it is something that God is not pleased with, that we, we all bleed one, one blood, one color, which is red. And so God wants us to come together and he wants us to unify. And I believe once we're, the church is able to do that more often, then we will see so much to change, so much transition. And the Holy Spirit wants to do so much and he wants to flow through us. So working with leadership and all these other things, so we're able to combat it in these ways and operate in love, God. God's ready. He wants to do some big things. Yeah. And you know, on that note, because those are, you're right. And we will mm -hmm. like at the end of this video, mm -hmm. um, or at least somewhere on the website or, you know, through social media, we will make sure that we communicate because there are some organizations uh, that I've done some research on that I think right. would be good for, you know, my church to look at and to just, you know, again, just to understand the the conversation more and more and to lean in and to really listen. Um, there's a, a incredible message that I want them to watch uh, from uh, with Steve Furtick and Elevation Church yes. and John Gray. And I mentioned that to you this week. What a powerful one hour message that will change your life that really just it, 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 it's just powerful. I, I, I don't I don't want to say anything too much because I, I don't want to I don't want to make it sound any less than like, it is just really, really good. Um, and so I'll put that link up. It might even show up on the screen 
uh, here uh, in this moment, but just that very thought. And I want to go to prayer today. Um, and, and, you know, you just mentioned it about our role as followers of Jesus. And, you know, last week in our, or the end of our Walking Wounded series, I mentioned Romans chapter 12 and uh, talking about the importance of, you know, knowing our value and that kind of stuff. But if you go a little further on, you know, Paul reiterates the very thing that Isaiah prophesied, right, about, you know, doing what is right, what is just, you know, and it's about, you know, not overcoming, um, you know, evil with evil, and it's, and it's about loving one another, living in harmony with one another, building each other up, all of that kind of stuff. And I want to end on this quote, uh, and then, Jason, if there's something else that you want to share, that's fine, but I would like to lead us in a time of, of prayer, because um, I would love to invite you to pray for us um, as a community, as a church, that we would learn to listen more and to, like I said, lean in and to yeah. find ways to be a part of the solution um, and that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us in those things. Uh, and I want to pray because maybe someone's watching this today and maybe they're going, man, I didn't realize that maybe I do have some prejudice and maybe yeah. I do have some bias and, you know, or maybe I have done some things that would be considered discrimina- uh, discriminatory. I don't know. And that's not to say that you are, if you're watching this, I'm just saying that it's important for all of us to search, allow God to search our heart in any matter. And you mentioned that, right? Like sin is sin. So we don't want any of that to be inside of our hearts. And we're living with a world that is broken. And that's the thing that I want to highlight that this, at the root of this really is about brokenness and sin, original sin. And there was a professor out of Wheaton College, an assistant professor of Uh, communication at Wheaton College that was writing in Christianity Today. His name is Dr. Theon Hill. Uh, He's a black man. He was uh, he was uh, part of the uh, he was at some of the protests um, uh, where he lives. And uh, it God just struck something inside of his heart. And I want to end with this. He said this. Everything became clearer for me. Suddenly I understood uh, experientially the mindset that motivated Martin Luther King Jr.'s prophetic declaration, America, you must be born again. And this is not just about America. This is about humanity. We must be born again in a country, listen to this, in a country built on exploitation, oppression, and discrimination, social transformation depends on a revolution of values. Our national values could not prevent the genocide of Native American brothers and sisters, the enslavement of African captives, and the exploitation of Chinese railroad workers. They remain insufficient for our current crisis. The revolutionary values we cannot, uh, that we need cannot be located in the Declaration of, the Independen- uh, Declaration of Independence or the U.S. Constitution. They can only, I love this, they can only be found in the God of the Bible who hates injustice, loves mercy, and cares for the oppressed. And I read that and I was like, it's good. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And so I'm going to start by praying today for any of us that, uh, just, just that prayer of God, search our heart and help us to, uh, to, um, grasp the steps that we can take to help, uh, be a part of the solution and bring reconciliation and healing as we're called to and mandated by scripture, that's who we take our cue from, the word of God. And then Jason, I'm gonna invite you to pray for us and then we'll, we'll close. Uh, so Father. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. 
Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.